On today's episode of the Competing for Christ podcast, we are talking to Coach Mike Lightfoot about finding purpose in sports. Now, if there's anyone who's qualified to talk about this topic, it's Coach Lightfoot. From 1987 to 2017, he was the head basketball coach at Bethel University, leading the Pilots to 794 wins, three NAIA Division II National Championships, four NCCAA National Championships, 11 NCCAA Regional Championships, and 18 Conference Championships. As a nine-time National Coach of the Year and being inducted into six different Hall of Fames, he is considered one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time. With all of that being said, Coach Lightfoot puts Christ above every single accomplishment that he's received on the basketball court as a coach. He is passionate about finding purpose through Christ rather than in sports, no matter if you're an athlete, coach, or fan. Today we get to sit down with him and talk about his journey, uh, how he made athletes better on and off the court, and so much more. You're going to want to listen to this conversation It is a very, very special discussion that I know you're going to love, so make sure to stick around for the entire thing. Welcome back to the Competing for Christ podcast. I'm your host, Kim Burke, and today we get to talk to Coach Mike Lightfoot. Coach, it is such a privilege to have you on today, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing absolutely great, Ken. I really appreciate your time and... uh... Thank you so much for what you're doing out there for the kingdom. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's awesome to just be able to talk with people like you uh, that get to come on the show. And I've been looking forward to this for a while now. But, Coach, the first question I, I wanted to ask you to right off the bat, how have you kept Christ at the center of your life and the center of your athletic career and, of course, your outstanding coaching career? Wow, that's a great question. You know, that's not a softball easy toss. I think <laughs> that's a that's a great question. I think that uh, as I've learned in life, that many times how we grow is a result of what we dealt with in the past and how we handled situations uh, in our lives spiritually growing up and. I was very fortunate. I always said I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church by my parents. <laughs> and, so, and so I was really blessed to be able to have parents that uh, saw that uh, my formation, spiritual formation, would start at a young age. And I think many times as I look back over my life, I see that uh, the things that I was able to do and the things, the challenges I had, I could be grounded back to my my past and understanding that it was not going to be me that accomplished these things it was going to be God that that accomplished these things and you just realize through your failures and and uh, things that you go through in life it helps you prepare yourself for for the future and uh, you know I'm I'm reading a book right now called anonymous it's a book about Jesus and how his life we only know the three years of his ministry, but what went on that formulated his, his way that he did, dealt with things in, a, in his human form, uh, those 30 years that we really don't know much about. So I think, well, and I look at my life, I think that how I stayed grounded was because I had parents that kept me grounded, uh, allowed me to just uh, 
developed my life and developed my way of life. So I think that had a lot to do with, with my coaching career, my athletic career, and uh, just life in general. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you've, you coached at Bethel for over 30 years and other places as well. And you, you know, along the way, you accumulated a lot of championships, a lot of awards, and a lot of accolades that, you know, so many that are so amazing. And how, how did you manage to keep all of that in perspective and not really allow that to become who you are? I think I, I, I honestly can say that at times that was a trap. I think the coaches get into, but I think many males especially get their identity in their career. Who they are is based on what they do and how they support their families and stuff like that. So for me to say, oh, I didn't get caught in that trap, I just stayed grounded, and I said, I, I would say no. I think many times it was, it was a struggle for me to say, okay, what's my real purpose? What's, why do I do what I do? And uh, any success or anything like that. I need to understand that that's just a, a gift and that's a process that could be taken away uh, in a, a moment, you know. And so I think many times I I did get caught in that trap where my identity was in who I, what I was doing, and then I'd have to take a step back and think about it and realize that uh, that's just a trap that I, can, that I can get caught in like many other people that I became... Uh, the Buffalo basketball coach and my identity when he was in that rather than my identity in Christ. And so I had to just keep battling that, uh, that darkness, I guess, of, of thinking that I've achieved more and it was all about me. What did that step back look like for you? Because you know, I'm sure it's different for each coach. Was that just like saying, hey, I need to take a break? Or was it saying like, I can still be involved, but I just need to re- rewire my mind? I think it takes, yeah, I think that many times in our spiritual life, for me, that step back usually meant that I was going through a, a wilderness period where, uh, you know, I was looking at my life and say, hey, um, what's next, what's next, what's next? And, you know, uh, Ken, I think that um, for many of us in our lives that, you know, James says we're a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. I think one of the biggest lessons I had learned that step back was to focus in on the now, not the next. Not the next year, not the next championship, not the next recruit, not all those next times. But I just need to stop and say, hey, I only have the now that I can, can be a part of, that I can work through, that I can get better at. And uh, it's so easy it's so easy in this life we live to get caught up in the next. And uh, for coaches, maybe it might be even more so because we, we live a year-to-year situation, contracts, and everything is based on your success as a coach. And you can get in that situation, hey, i got to be thinking about the next job, the next game, the next this, the next that. And we really don't enjoy the now. Mm-hmm. And focus in the now. So a step back for me was saying, "Hey, Mike, you've really blown it here. You're starting to think about the next, and you're not enjoying the now in life. And stay focused on that." And so I think that was a constant struggle for me, constant struggle that I, you know, and and I honestly can say I got caught up in that identity, caught up in that trap, 
then I have to withdraw, seek wise counsel from mentors that I had. My, my mentor that I used a lot was Coach Homer Drew, who was my college coach, who went on to have great success and then also had two sons that have done very, very well in the coaching career. So I think you have to find mentors that will hold you in place and make you think about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. And you know, when you were just talking about being present and not focusing on the future, that really reminded me of Matthew six, when Jesus said, you know, tomorrow has enough problems. Don't worry about it. Today has enough that you need to be, be concerned about. And I think that's a really great point. And coach, you know, you just mentioned as well, you know, you, sometimes you got focused on the next job or what was going to come up next year. How much of that played into your 30-year career at Bethel? Because I'm sure you had different offers at different schools. How were you able to stay there for 30-plus years? Obviously, well, besides the success. <laughs> well, you know, no, that was God. And, and, and Ken, I think uh, as I look back on it now, it was God's protection for me from myself. Mm. Mm. Uh, many times I think, Again, I, I would adapt that to the men men that are listening. I think many times we start thinking ahead. We start thinking for grass is greener on the other side. Uh, what it's going to be like. And I think the trap that I would have got caught up in is the, maybe the D1, uh, the glamour, uh, the pay, the responsibility. And, and for me, it would have been about winning games. And you know, making my mark in that area. But uh, looking back over the 30 years I was Bethel, I, I felt that was my calling, that was my purpose. And why do I do what I do? And the why became so apparent that I'm trying to influence and impact lives for Christ right where I am, and I don't need to go anyplace else to do that. And so I just felt like this was the, where I needed to be. And when those opportunities came about for me to maybe go someplace else, uh, it just always kept coming back to me is your why is to influence people and you're doing it where you're at. So why, why try to go somewhere else and do it? It was very important for me to stay where I was. Yeah, I, I know that's very difficult for a lot of us, especially myself, because we're always wanting, you know, wanting to know what's in the future, wanting to know what's uh, better. Like you just said, the grass is hardly ever greener on the other side. And coach, you know, from watching interviews and listening to the podcast you've been on, I, you've been very outspoken on your faith and, you know, finding purpose through Christ, especially in sports, obviously. And I wanted to ask you, what have you learned about your purpose in this life throughout your career and in your journey as a Christian? Well, I think that the purpose that we all have is to uh, spread the good news and to make sure that we do what Jesus said is go into all the world and make disciples. And I think we can do that in any portion of our workplace, Ken. It doesn't have to be in coaching. It could be in the business world. It can be in the ministries that we have. I think the, the most important thing is that we stay focused on, on our calling. And for me, it was a calling to be involved in coaching. I felt that uh, when I was in high school, I just felt like this is something that I wanted to do, that I wanted to be a part of. And so I think that you have to continue to focus in on why God 
has allowed you to do the things you've been doing and stay in that lane. And if you get outside that lane, as we all know, we can get off that, you know, I taught driver's ed for many, many years. And <laughs> I, there was a lot of times when we got on the wrong lane and, you know, and, and then sometimes, you know, as you're driving and if you get off the road and you try to make a quick correction, then you get into serious trouble by usually going over the other side uh, of, the, of the highway. And so I think that we have to stay in our lane. And so how do you stay in your lane? I think you stay in your lane by making sure that you're, you're praying about what needs to be done, that you're spending time in prayer. And then, uh, you know, coaches always want, us, want their players to know the playbook. And uh, we need to ha really focus on the, on the biblical playbook, uh, the Bible, and spend time in God's Word so we are in tune to what God's Word is telling us so we can stay in our right lane and stay focused in that area and not drift like we have a tendency as humans to drift uh, to the right or to the left. Yeah. Yeah, I, I went to a small college down in uh, Chattanooga called Covenant College. Oh, I know uh, those guys really well. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know yeah. Covenant and... College. What a beautiful <laughs> school. Whew. It is. It is so amazing down there. And, you know, one thing that we that they preached and taught us was, you know, you have your big C calling and your little C calling. Big C, everybody has the same. It's always we are meant to share the gospel and spread the gospel to the nations. But your little C calling is whatever... However, you do that in your career as a you know as a parent as a uh, employee whatever that is and that really stuck out to me in my education and uh, I'm sure like you feel that too where you have that big C calling that big calling and then that little calling as well and we have that responsibility is and say what part of go uh, when Jesus said go into the all world what part of go don't we not understand we need to go we need to go to the neighbor we need to go to a coworker. We need to go to an athlete. We need to go and, and share our faith uh, really without any hesitation. Uh, we need to be more like Jesus, you know. Uh, everybody has wristbands and things that what would Jesus do? Well, we need to be more like him, and we need to model what he did through his love for us, that he was willing to go to the cross for us, but he also, through the whole experience, he sought out those that were lost, and that's that's really our responsibility as Christians uh, today in this world that's so divided and so angry and so uh, disruptive. We have a we can be a light to a dark world, and there is a lot of darkness out there. Coach, how did you convey all of this to your players and the people that you you were around that their purpose is bigger than basketball? It shouldn't just be about basketball or their career or something like that. You know, I think you have to model it. Mm. I think many times we, we think that it's what we say, what profound words we offer, uh, you know, our actions and certain things. But I think uh, the, the, the touching point that we need to focus in is how we model it in our lives. And so there's always people, if you have influence, and everybody has influence. And so how you handle adversity how you handle situations that come up in the day-to-day -day life. There's always going to be, if you say you are a Christian, then there's going to be eyes on you to see how you will handle that. And unfortunately, in, in our world today, there's many people that say they are Christian, but they don't walk it, they don't talk it. 
And I think one of the things that uh, we need to be focused in is making sure that we are a model for, for those that are out there and they can say, hey, there's something different about this guy. There's something different about this lady. There's something that I see in them and I want to know more. I want to know why they handle things a little bit different than maybe my, my mom and dad did or maybe a little different than a boss I had previously. All of a sudden, I see a difference because they model it. And I think if we can model the life of Jesus and we can model his actions, uh, it, it's like a magnet. and People are drawn to it. Mm -hmm. How did you stay grounded during your career and, you know, during while you played? And this question, it can deal with success, but I think you can stay grounded as you fail, too, because you have to not be have those emotions run rampant, you know what I mean? Yes. I mean, I think my first few years in coaching, I, I, I didn't have any success. I was a high school coach, and, I mean, I said that we dressed six players. Uh, the other guys could dress themselves. We weren't very good. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we struggled with a lot of things, and I have so many memories. But I think that grounding of, of dealing with failure in my early part of my career really helped me grow and develop my mindset that, you know, it, I didn't have to live in failure. I learned from failure. And in this life we deal, in our Christian walk, I think many times we sell it a little bit in the wrong direction. We sell that if I accept Christ, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be easy. Everything's going to be good. And that's not biblical. You know, it, we need to daily pick up our cross and follow Him. And if we don't do that, if we just think that, hey, what's, I, I bought into this Christian walk and I have adversity, I have trouble, I have a sick kid, I have different things going on, I lost my job. And I, and I think that many times we have to go back to being grounded in Him and understand that that doesn't mean everything's going to go well. How we handle the day-to-day -day grind of our life should be able to keep us grounded in our faith. And I think that that's what I, I dealt with a lot of adversity early in my coaching career. As I look back, uh, that helped me deal with success because I thought, hey, I remember what it was like. And so, you know, one of the things I really understood is we need to celebrate everything. We need to celebrate our victories. We need to also understand that the losses and tough things can be a, an opportunity for growth. For me, I learned more during tough times than uh, the mountaintop experiences. Uh, things grow in the valley. You grow in your faith. You grow through tough times. When you're up on the mountaintop, you know, you think about a top of a highest peak in the, in the country or whatever. Nothing's up there at the very peak. It's always down in the valley. Trees don't even grow above a certain elevation. And so I think I learned to be grounded through adversity that I dealt with when I was down in the valleys. And I had to go back and reflect on that, Ken, or, or, or I wasn't going wasn't gonna to be able to handle things. When you got to those, you know, those mountain peaks, those really great times in your in your coaching career in your life, really, did you ever feel um, did you ever feel unsatisfied with how? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I, and, and I can remember uh, winning a national championship. Uh, I think it was our third one. 
1995, we had won on the last second shot, a three-point shot, and uh, it was incredible. Standing room only, national championship game. And I remember flying back on the plane and uh, coming back to, to northern Indiana. And as I was on the plane, I, I immediately started to think about next year. I didn't enjoy the now. I was thinking about the next. And, you know, I, I remember walking back to my juniors on the plane and said, hey, we've got to get back here next year, and you guys have got to be able to be all in in the off season so we can get back here again. How wrong was that? You know, I think many times uh, we, we don't celebrate. We don't celebrate and stay in the moment. Uh, and I think we do that in parenting, Ken. I think sometimes we enjoy the birth of our children, and then we can't wait till they get out of diapers Boy, then they can't wait till they finally get to school. And then we really can't wait till they get to a certain point that, you know, they can have some freedoms and we don't have, oh, then they're out of school. Now they're in college. And next thing you know, they're done. And lots of times we get caught up in, you know, just saying, what's next, what's next, what's next? And we should celebrate every day we have of life. Every day that we live is a masterpiece. And we need to live that way, enjoy that, and not realize that, hey, we don't have a given next. We need to focus in on the now and live life to the fullest right now. Mm, yeah, that's so good. And, you know, now that we're on the, on the now, uh, now that you work with nations of coaches, I would love if you just tell, told me more about that organization and, you know, just the impact that they have on coaches throughout the country. Oh, I, would, I could talk about this. You know, the 30 years of coaching, I thought I would never find anything that would be as fulfilling and there are parts of the coaching that the relationship you have with players, those things are, are special. But being able to be a part of Nation of Coaches, Nation of Coaches was birthed actually out of the National Association of Basketball Coaches. When uh, we looked at it and 10 years ago, when we started seeing the fragmented parts of, of college basketball coaching, it was alarming. Uh, just give you a few stats. Uh, people don't realize that 67% of college basketball coaches, D1, have been divorced at least once. So they have not been able to take care of their home court. And when you're struggling with things that are going on in your home and you're neglecting your wife and your family, then that's going to greatly impact your coaching. And so we see that divorce rate. And then we also have the statistic that 80% of Division I basketball players come from a fatherless home. So now you have two segments that a coach is dealing with. He's dealing with the coaching of his own family and, the, and they're being un, gone so much and recruiting and all those things. And then you add to that uh, the dysfunction of his own players who have not had the model of a dad. And so now they're trying to be that dad and meanwhile, trying to be their dad, you know, their their parent, and being involved in those parts of the life. So, Nation of Coaches was birthed because Billy Graham said it better than anybody else. He said that he said coaches impact more lives in one year than most people do in a lifetime. And I think that's really true. I think that if you ask most people uh, who impacted their life other than their parents, they'll say a teacher or a coach. There's something there that they've learned from them. And so the next line that Billy Graham said, well, who's supporting the coaches? If the coaches have that much impact on lives, 
then what are we doing for the coaches to make sure that they're grounded and they're successful and we can get away from this high divorce rate and the dysfunctions that coaches are going through. So out of that birth nation of coaches. So we just serve our coaches. We serve them in any way possible. We, we take care of their home court. We're, we're spending time with them. We, we, we've been blessed to be able to have uh, the Chick-fil-A Retreat Center in Rome, Georgia, where we take our coaches and wives and spend three days just investing in their marriages and have top uh, marriage counselors come in. We, hmm. we do things through Zoom where we spend time with coaches and their wives. And then we're, wherever coaches are, that's where we're at. We're just there. And, you know, I think that the thing that I've learned through this whole thing is the, the power of the presence. When you want to impact lives, just be there. You don't have to say or do a whole lot, but if you're just there, you know, next thing you know, there's going to be opportunities for you to say, hey, how are you doing? And they'll say, fine. And then you could say, how are you really doing? And then you see that, wow, there are things that we all need to work on. We're all broken vessels. We all have issues. And so Nation of Coaches is really there to serve and equip coaches to get through the process of being a coach and impacting lives without draining themselves out where they're no longer effective as a husband and a, and a parent. So that's what we do. And so I represent Nation of Coaches in the Midwest. It's been incredible that I can be around coaches. I'll be around coaches today and just see if I can impact them and help them. And we place character coaches. Uh, we can't call them chapel, chaplains anymore because, uh, unfortunately, in, in today's society, chaplains bring about some negative connotation by some people. So uh, we do need character. Mm -hmm. We do need a lot of character. And so, you know, like at Covenant College, we'll have a character coach that helps those guys navigate life and, and assists the coaching staff there just to see what needs to be done. And that's the same thing that we're doing across this country. And uh, we're taking the game back. The basketball is the only game invented by James Smith, and he did it for ministry. He wanted his, play, his athletes to be able to do something when they didn't have football. And so he created this game, and he said, we are going to not only develop our young men, but we're going to try to win them to the master coach, Jesus. And so it's the only game invented for ministry and so our mindset is we're going to take the game back one program at a time. And we're doing it. Wow. That's so cool. And yeah, I mean, like you just said, have all the coaches have all of these different factors coming in. And now they have NIL, plan a factor, the transfer portal, the coaching carousel. I mean, we have there's everything that the coaches are going through. And I think that's such a, a phenomenal thing that nations of coaches are doing. So I, I really... It's a really cool thing that you're doing. Thank you, Ken. Yeah, it's, it's rewarding for me. People ask me a lot, do you miss coaching? Well, sure, you do something for that long. Your whole life has been based on a lot of that. But, you know, I think that lots of times we don't realize that God can put us in another place where we can have just as much or even more of an impact. Like I said, I can impact my 18 guys on my team and the coaching staff. But what happens when I impact 18 coaches and then they can impact their teams then the multiplication factor so when we meet as a staff on mondays and pray and then we see these pictures of uh, coaches 
being baptized or players being baptized and we see, ah, this is our why. Absolutely. Wow. Coach, like I said before, this was a privilege to get to talk with you. You are a legend in Indiana in the basketball community. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on today. Well, thank you very much, Ken. I appreciate it. All right, for all of you listening out there, thank you so much for tuning in today. I really do appreciate you taking the time to just listen to this. I pray that uh, it just helps you as an athlete or you as a fan, a coach, whoever you are, and just connecting your faith with sports. If you don't get anything else from this, just remember this. Jesus loves you, and he's going to fight for you no matter what. Talk to you next time.